What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brittany Nunez. Got Rich Avanowski on here like we usually do. How you doing, Rich? I'm doing good, man. We are back into our season previews, and we are going to a very interesting team indeed with a very interesting offseason just behind them. We're going to be talking the Houston Rockets today with Jeremy Brenner. How are you doing today, Jeremy? I'm good, Rich, Brendan. Good to be talking with y'all. Y'all seem like two chill dudes. We're, I'm ready to talk basketball with y'all. I'm always ready to talk basketball. So let's, I'm ready. Throw, throw anything you got. Throw any questions you got. <laughs> We won't, we won't throw too many curveballs, even though it sounds like you're kind of asking for it right now. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess the way to start, um, you know, we're going to focus on offseason next season, but looking at last year a little bit, 53-29 uh, and 29 record, which is pretty nice for having not a great start, but uh, a couple things have changed. What, do you, what can you take from last year and move forward into next season with? I think, I think, what, they, I think what we learned from last year is – one, how super important all 82 games are. Because if you look at the first part of the season, you had, I think they started, what, 9 and 14 to start the year. And that was ultimately what put the Rockets in the spot that they were in at the right, at the end of the regular season. Because the, after, in like December, they hit like a 10 game win streak. And that was, and then the Rockets were pretty much set from that point. So I think, the acquisition of Austin Rivers and the and the winning were kind of, you know, I wouldn't say coincidental, but almost coincidental. I think Austin Rivers had a huge impact on last year's team, and I'm so glad that uh, he's he's back for this year too. But um, you know, I think the one thing is how important an 82 game season is because you have to perform well not just at the end of the season, but the, at the beginning of the season too. And the other thing though is I think. What we learned in the playoffs is, especially in that Warrior series, is the the style of basketball that the Rockets play, where they have a lot of iso ball, a lot of, you know, James does it himself, a lot of, you know, Chris Paul at the time did it himself. It's just not a it's not the most effective way to win basketball games, especially in the postseason. I think in the regular season, you can get away with a lot of that because in, in the regular season, like Harden went off for 60 points, you know, 50 points a whole lot, and they were able to get wins. But in the playoffs, it's just something that is unattainable. It's just you can't keep that same pace. And I think what we learned is, especially how the finals ended up, it, it, it takes a team to win. And the, I think the reason why Toronto 
ended up as the champions this past season was because they had the deepest eight-man rotation. They had a much deeper rotation than Golden State provided. And that that means something. And it can't just be guy number one, guy number two, or even guy number three or four. It takes a full village if you want to win an NBA championship nowadays. And I feel like the Rockets learned that it, it's going to take a village if they want to take that next step. Well, Jeremy, you have stumbled into something unknowingly here. Uh, I heard all what oh, you're like, saying, and, oh, yes. it is, and it is wonderful, but I only really heard two of those words, and they're Austin Rivers. You don't know this, and we did not, I promised to any of our listeners this was not planned, but uh, you've got the biggest Austin Rivers fan <laughs> in the world right across from me, proverbially speaking, in this podcast. Uh, so this. Hold on, hold on. This is proclaimed by Rich, by the way. Like, I defended Austin (laughs) Rivers a couple different times throughout his terrible efficiencies and just talking about how I love hustle players. And just with the amount of attack that I got for that, I had to defend myself so much that all of a sudden, next thing I knew, I was just a huge Austin Rivers fan. So it was great to hear you talk about his impact. That is already going to be the preview of the show. We can call it now. This is more important. It's more (laughs) important than Russell Westbrook. The Austin Rivers fans, though. (laughs) But honestly, though, like, um, and this is not like to just like kind of you know go off on like a tangent or anything. But the way I think, like, I'm the kind of guy that is very appreciative of role players because my favorite Rocket of the teams that I followed is Patrick Beverly. And you got a lot of Patrick Beverly in Austin Rivers last season. The kind of just scrappy guard that's going to play the opposition as hard as he can. And honestly, I have like an affinity for backup, like bench, like bench energy guys. That's why I love Gerald Green. That's why I love Daniel House. That's why I love Eric Gordon. It's, those guys, those guys are the guys that appeal to me the most. It's not the Hardens, not the Westbrooks. It's it's those guys that I don't know. It's more of like an underdog story, if you will. And Austin Rivers is certainly an underdog story, and now he's taking a pay cut to play for the Rockets, and it's really cool how it all is coming about. But I think like you you it, if you want to win an NBA championship in this climate, you have to have a solid solid back backup guard that is going to do anything and everything for you. And I think the Raptors had that with Fred Van Vliet and the Rockets got a pretty good one in Austin Rivers. That's wow. all that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> to win a championship news. you need an Austin Rivers. You need you need a Fred Van Vliet Austin Rivers type guard Agreed. that can get you some offense. Wow. Okay. That gives you some <laughs> offense, a little bit of defense like no, I, I, I get what you're saying. That could possibly close games as well. Like, I don't know if Austin Rivers is going to be in that closing lineup at the end of the day. He might be if he's, if he's hot, but I mean, it's going to be hard to fit Austin Rivers, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden on the court at the same time. But Austin Rivers is such an important part of this team. And there really isn't one player that you can take away and say the Rockets would be the same team without this person. There really isn't a guy that's like that on this team. And I think that that's such, and that makes it such an interesting team to follow. It means there's no dull guys in the room, and that's fantastic. I love, I love 
not just the fact that I grew up in Houston and I, you know, didn't, you know, I was raised on my rockets and all that, but like if I were just a common, you know, fan, like a fair weather fan, the rockets would be a team I'd look at and I'd say, you know, I like what they have going down there. Okay. I got to get a couple words here on rivers because so, so to fully establish this, I do not, hate Austin Rivers as a player. I certainly don't hate him as a person. I've always, this has been the longest running, perhaps the only uh, uh, inside joke in this podcast for the entire span of it. But Brendan, this is breaking news. Like we have found your long lost twin. (laughs) You are saying such similar things to to what Brendan has said in the past. But so, but I got to ask this question. I mean, in, in the modern day, in, in a time in basketball when efficiency is so important, when shooting is so important, and especially with the Rockets, who this Mori Ball concept is so big to them, uh, Rivers, you know, barely shot 40% from the field, shot about 31% from three, 32% right in there, uh, and really, you know, not giving you much facilitation not really facilitating the offense not getting not making high level passes he can be a little bit turnover prone at times not even a great scorer in his own right I get that he's a hustle player and a hustle defender but and this this question is more posed to to Brendan than even you Jeremy but how can you how can you say that he is essential to this team when it, I get like the that mindset is essential to the team, but it can't be just Austin, Austin Rivers. There are guys out there you can get from the G League that have that mindset as well, can't you? Offense wins games, defense wins championships. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. the Rockets don't need any more creators. They got two of the best creators in the game, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and... If you and even when those two guys aren't playing, Eric Eric Gordon's a pretty good creator in his own right too. And they have Capella, who they can lob to, and they have you know PJ Tucker, who's open in the corner. They have Daniel House, who can be open in the corner. They don't need Austin Rivers to be this you know big guy on offense. What they do need, and the biggest criticism that the Rockets have faced over the last couple of years is their defense and. That that is why Austin Rivers was brought in. It's why Austin Rivers has pl- so like basically the okay like a year ago when after the Rockets had lost the conference finals against the Warriors in eighteen, they were going into an off season that they were bound to lose because they were going to lose Ariza, which y'all have Ariza now. We can talk about that a little later. But you got Ariza and Bamute all left. Both those guys huge on the defensive end and their idea to replace those guys was Michael Carter Williams. And that project worked for maybe 0.7 seconds. It was done before it started. And that, but like just Michael Carter Williams, he was such a, like he was there for defense, but he was so poor on the offensive end. He was unplayable. Austin rivers, at least he's serviceable on offense. And he's a great defender. And that's really all that the Rockets need. The Rockets are looking for, outside of Harden and Westbrook, who are their two, like, scorers and, you know, big-time offensive players, they need, they, they get specialty guys. They get PJ, who's a corner, uh, corner specialist and can guard multiple positions. Austin Rivers is your, uh, like, point guard, you know, like, guard the best player on the other team, 
that kind of guy, like guard shooters. Like he can stay with them. Like usually he'll guard Clay Thompson when he's playing, or he'll guard. Um, let me try to think of other shooters. Like he would guard CJ? if you were playing. If you were playing the Clippers, he would probably guard Paul George. Like th- that. Those are the guys that he would guard CJ McCollum. Like those guys are the people that that that's why Austin Rivers is here and. You know, he's not terrible on offense either. He can also drain a couple threes when he's asked to. So that is why Austin Rivers is integral to the team. It's not necessarily the offense. He's serviceable on offense, but what really makes him stand out is his defense. And that, to me, is ultimately why he's still a member of the team and why he was brought to Houston in the first place. I can't get enough of this. I'm 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 loving it. I totally agree. <laughs> obviously obviously everybody knows and i will say i think that pj tucker that you mentioned is probably uh the the more hustle guy and i i do think that tucker's a better player than austin rivers but like you mentioned i mean you don't want james harden uh chris paul was okay at it but running into say the warriors you have to guard steph and clay uh harden not really necessarily wanting to do that and previously having Patrick Beverly losing that uh, same with Ariza. It, it was definitely just a hole that you guys needed there, but I think that we can move on from, from no, Austin Rivers here. No, we cannot go ahead. No, <laughs> I need to talk about this. I, I, I have, I, okay. We're like, not going to make this whole hour of the Austin Rivers podcast, but I think we should. Here, Here's my response to that, and 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 I'll just I gotta get this out there, or else I'll, I won't be able to sleep tonight. He's not a good defender. He tries hard. He's a tryhard. He works really hard. He you see it in his face and his body language. He definitely like sacrifices his body. Like he definitely puts you know himself on the floor. He's going after loose balls. He definitely like puts a hand in a defender's face. However, he's not a, he's not a great defender. He maybe is okay. But he's not all, a great defender. And I I'm think to, on ball, he's a good defender. Off ball, he falls asleep. Uh, okay, well, you can say that. And you, okay, okay, okay. First of all, you can't <laughs> have everyone on the team fall asleep off ball. That's a problem. And we can get to that with Harden and Westbrook in a minute. But I'm just saying throughout his career, I mean, there, his steal percentage is nothing. His block percentage is nothing. And, you know, that's not all of what defense is. It's a very small part of it. But then you look at box plus minus. It's terrible defensively. You look at RPM, which is adjusted for the players on the floor. His defensive RPM is terrible. Every metric, he's better on offense than on defense by every metric that there is in the world throughout his whole career. So to me, and he's not even close to average by any of those metrics. So to me, he's a bad defender who looks like a good defender. There, I can sleep tonight. Go ahead and ask <laughs> whatever question or or. or Shoot me down and then ask whatever question. I've never heard you this heated. I mean, in the playoffs, he played pretty well, and and honestly, to me, that that matters. That matters more to me than anything else. And those stats probably don't even like pertain to what he did in the playoffs. And the series against the Warriors, because he was out the first game uh, or the first two games, basically of the of the Warrior series, and like the Rockets lost those two games, and then when he came back, Rockets started winning. So, yeah, like, I, he does, I would, like yeah. he does. He is a game changer for the Rockets. I do believe that, and I think he's only going to get better. Game with okay, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll stop talking now. But all I say is, I mean, I'm not trying to say that he's like you know he 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 is what he is the reason why the Rockets won these games. I'm not trying to say that, but he 
like his presence and what he brings to the table, it works in the Rockets equation. Austin Rivers doesn't work on every team in the NBA. That's why he didn't work in in the with the Clippers. He didn't work with the Wizards. Didn't work in like he needs to be on a team where he's contending and he needs to be on he can't be a starter. He's always going to come off the bench. He like he didn't work in New Orleans for that reason neither. Like cuz he needs to be part of like a veteran group of guys that can rally around him and that he can, you know, provide some spark off the bench. That that's the kind of player he is and he did that for from December till April. So he did it for 4 months. Not necessarily saying that he's going to do it this season, but that's the hope. And the fact that he took a discount, got the veteran minimum, he had offers from other teams, and he decided to come to Houston, it shows that he wants to be here. And honestly, the fact, like, in Houston, if you show, like, any, and it's with any city, honestly, if you show any sign of wanting to be in a city, that fires the fans up. And especially at Clutch City. Clutch City loves those guys. That's why... Gerald Green is there. That's why, like, Gerald Green probably would not be on any other roster in the NBA. His career would have been over two, three years ago, but he is with the Rockets. It's the only team that Gerald Green works with is the Rockets. And, like, those, that, that to me is how the Rockets operate is they, their system is so different. And the way they do things is, is different than a whole lot of the 95% of NBA teams that, they have players that work and can excel so much more in their system than in other teams. PJ Tucker is another example of it too. PJ Tucker, the rock was a, was a backup for his entire career pretty much. And, you know, he was bouncing around, you know, overseas, came back here, played with the Suns a little bit, then went to Toronto on the bench there. He comes to Houston. He's a starter and he looks like a genius because he's the number one corner three shooter in the, in the country and or in the league and then he's he's almost making the freaking USA team like that that's where we're at like that's the thing is is Houston system caters to so many different guys strengths that sometimes just very ironically some guys work here and some guys don't and I guess as a final closing point on this Austin Rivers thing, I don't think he's like some all-star player. Don't get me wrong, but he's definitely a guy that I would like to have on my team. Assuming you have other shooting, you know, if he does have his offensive struggles, like we said, so if you're covered with that and have good defense, it's not a fit. That's different. But uh, I mean, having hustle guys, it gets a little contagious. And I think that since we have kind of wrapped up the main topic for the Rockets, obviously, in Austin Rivers, we can move to this sub-idea of, uh, I think you got a former MVP in Russell Westbrook. And I, I guess just first, what is your response to everybody saying, you know, two of the highest usage guys ever, and both of them being on the same team now, uh, they have obviously history before, but they were different players at the time. How do you feel like this dynamic is going to work? You know, I think that people look at, like, people see Westbrook and they see him as like this. Because uh, they, they, the thing is, Harden and Westbrook have such, an, such a crazy history together. And it's because of just, you know, they started the NBA together. They And then they were, like, the rivals for the 2017 MVP. And, you know, Rockets fans are still salty about that. Um, the, but the thing is, though is Russell Westbrook, for all but one season in his career, that 2017 season, has been the second best player on his team. 
and he comes into Houston as the second best player on his team. And in that role, he has excelled. He, you know, the way that I want the Rockets to operate this season, if I had any say in the matter, is I would want them to be very similar to the 2016 Thunder. Because I think that team often overlooked because of how they finished their season, very underrated. They're the, you know, they took the, they took the war, the 73 win Warriors to seven games. And like Kevin Durant was the star of that team, but Russell Westbrook also had his, you know, really good numbers for that team. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but he was still a huge part of that team. They also had the guys around, around them that they could, you know, compliment with the two of them. And that is honestly how I hope that the Rockets going. Cause I th- honestly think that that 2016 Thunder team was the best team Oklahoma City had. It's better than the 2012 team that had Westbrook, Harden, and Durant. I think that 2016 team is the best team that they had, and that's the kind of the model that I hope that the Rockets can somehow emulate this season with, you know, Harden's the main guy, but what, like, Harden can, you know, get some load management, and Westbrook can also have chances as well. And that that's another big thing that Rockets fans have, you know, clamored for for several years now. And it's the fact that Harden busts his tail the whole season, plays almost every game, plays pretty much 80 games, 80 or more games every year. He, he's not the kind of guy, he's not like Kawhi who's going to, you know, sit every sixth game or whatever. He's not going to play back to back. Harden plays pretty much every game. And it, honestly, part of that is just his mindset. Mike D'Antoni's mindset, you know, the whole Rockets, you know, philosophy of, oh, we're going to try to win every game that we possibly can. Um, But I I think that, you know, when you do the same thing, you get the same results. I'm hoping that, you know, with the precedent being set that Kawhi and how the Raptors were able to manage Kawhi's load, how it worked out for them in the end, I'm hoping that the Rockets take a page out of their playbook and apply it to what they have now. And they have the ability to do that because they have Russell Westbrook now. And they always will have some guy that is on top of their game and can create like nobody's business. And I think that honestly, like at first I was very kind of skeptical because, you know, like I'll try to try to put it in these terms. Like Russell Westbrook is like, you know what? It's like when Johnny Damon went from the Red Sox to the Yankees. That's how I feel about Russell Westbrook coming to the Rockets. It's like, oh, we 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 were so against this one guy for so many years, and now he's one of us. It's like, well, eh. But at the end of the day, you're one of us now, and you're our guy, and you're our dude, and we're gonna back you. And so, yeah, it's a little weird. It's probably going to be incredibly weird, and it still will be by Halloween when, you know, we're seeing Russell Westbrook actually playing games for the Rockets. But, you know, I'm excited for it. I really, I don't see how this, I mean, I can, I can understand why it can be negative, but honestly, I think that the Rockets did what they had to do. They saw a chance to improve the team, and they did. And that's what, that's part of the reason why I love the Rockets is because they're not going to settle. They're not going to just do the same thing every time. They're going to, if something doesn't work, they're going to try to fix it in order to get different results. They may not always improve on whatever move that they make or whatever change they make, but at least they're trying. 
And that is more than that means that means more than winning sometimes, honestly, is just showing effort and just a, an idea to get better and to make the next step. Are you currently paying off student debt, interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. Hey guys, just want to give you a quick reminder that if you like what you're listening to, we'd really appreciate a quick rating and review of the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're getting this podcast. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, we'd love to interact with you. We can take your questions, answer them on the podcast as well. That is at Kings underscore Pulse. We also got an Instagram, Kings underscore Pulse, and we are the official podcast of uh, Reddit r slash Kings. We got a sticky thread on there if you want to ask questions. So we really appreciate it. And, and thank you very much for listening. Okay. So I want to ask your permission, Jeremy, uh, because I try, I, I genuinely do try to be very neutral and, and really more positive to anyone that we're interviewing at, at, towards whatever team we're talking about and give people the chance to, to, you know, basically say all the good things they want to about the team, and I, I'll kind of sit by and just prompt you're, the next you're gonna come, You're going to come and bash me now? Is that what I, you want? I'm that certainly what you're... not going to bash you, but <laughs> I, want, I want your permission to be skeptical about these Rockets and ask the questions that I truly have, because I truly have questions. Absolutely. Okay, so you mentioned there about trying. That was the last thing you had mentioned, you, you, about how trying means more even than winning at times. Let me ask you... Do you do you feel that Harden tries on defense, and do you feel that Russell Westbrook will try even on defense? Oh, absolutely. That that narrative is so overblown and old, and just like it, it's it's honestly like I I hate it at times, and uh, hate's a strong word in my in my vocabulary. It's like. I'm not saying James Harden should be on the all NBA defensive team, but his defense is not like, he's not like a trash can on defense, like just sits there and and just, you know, waits for the trash to come out. Like he actually makes an effort and two steals per game this past season. I mean, like he does, you know, put in some effort and I, and that, and the thing is, I think that was, part of the reason why he didn't win MVP when he did, because there was that he wasn't up there when it came to defense. And ultimately when he was up for the award again in 2018, it fell into his lap. Cause it, cause I think what, I think what, what held Harden from winning the award in the past was the fact that he was really great on offense, but he was subpar on defense. But now he's not, he's up to par. I wouldn't say he's above par. I wouldn't say he's below par. I think he's, right in the middle like you know 50th percentile in terms of just total defense like i would rather have half of the guys in the nba defending someone 
but I'd rather have Harden over the other half of the NBA player. That, that To me, that's how I feel about Harden's defense. It's right in the middle. And for Westbrook, uh, I'll be honest, I haven't seen a whole, like, I don't, I haven't seen enough Russell Westbrook on defense. Like, I watch, you know, probably 60, 75 Rockets games every year. So I've watched Harden, you know, every game for the past eight, eight seasons, I believe. With Westbrook, I don't have as much film and as much studying of Westbrook's defense to totally give you a the answer that you want. So I think what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to find I, – I, look, they're not going to win games if they try to outscore people. They are already going to outscore a lot of backcourts in the NBA. But they're going to need to put it on the defensive end as well. And that is ultimately, in my opinion – what is going to make or break these Rockets is can this team be like, this team's going to be a dynamic offense. It's going to be one of the craziest offenses we've seen. Defense is what's going to win championships. And if they can't bring it on the defensive end, they're not going to win the NBA championship. And that's the one team. That's the one thing that has, you know, shadowed Mike D'Antoni's era in Houston that he hasn't been able to get to the finals or win the finals. And, that's the last thing he has to do. He he, you know, has won sixty five games. He's made it to Game Seven of the of uh, the Western Conference Finals. He's never won the Conference Finals, and that's the one thing in Mike D'Antoni's whole career that has been the you know the smudge on his resume is he's never been to the finals. He's taken so many teams and he's revolutionized the game so many times with the Suns in you know the seven seconds or less Suns with Harden's Rockets with Harden's you know crazy numbers with thirty six points a game. Mike D'Antoni's team has never been, Mike D'Antoni's never coached in the NBA Finals. That is the one thing that is just hard on its, re- on, it just is not, it's the last thing he has to check off. That's it. And right. once he does, you know, put him in the Hall of Fame, honestly. And I, also the thing is, it's, it's D'Antoni's last year on his contract. And they had that whole, you know, scram about D'Antoni and his, and his, you know, that he wanted an extension, but the Rockets wouldn't give him the extension that he wanted. And they fired all of his assistants to try to possibly get him to resign. So the way I see it is this time next year, the Rockets will have a new coach, whether D'Antoni is fired or he resigns sometime in the middle of the year or he just, his contract is not renewed. I think that gotcha. the Rockets will have a new coach this time next year. That's, so this is D'Antoni's yeah. last run. So he's got to make it the best run that he possibly can. Otherwise, he's not going to have a job next year. Agreed. Um, that makes that's really interesting to say that um, this this is going to be his last year. He certainly certainly uh, needs to put every bit of effort he has into this year because he just is that guy that is always on the cusp. But going back to uh, what you're saying about defense and how defense is going to be what wins championships. So, and, and going back even further to the hard and stuff because. It is an old narrative, but to me it rings true. I, I have I have watched a lot of James Harden in my life, probably certainly not as much as you, uh, not being a uh, someone who covers the Rockets myself. But I have never seen him fight through a screen. I have never seen him do that, and I I have watched him give up on so many plays like that. Where okay, it's just an easy clean three from the top, and it goes in. And now he's jogging back down on defense or on offense, and that's that's he's out of the play. And I've watched Russell Westbrook so many times, just put his hands on his knees, 
and he's taking this playoff. It's it's defense. He's you know his team is in a defensive possession. They and he's taking the playoff, and that's it. And I I have seen this happen so many times. And I agree with you completely that when they are engaged, they are completely fine passable defenders. But a guy that is better than that, Chris Paul, when healthy, was an amazing defender. Even in his most recent year, even though he had a little bit, you know, falling off a bit last year, especially on offense, he was still an amazing uh, a point of attack defender. Really smart guy. Amazing hands, quick hands. And and if going back to your point, if if defense wins championships, wouldn't you say that that this team is less likely to win a championship considering the downgrade in defensive ability from Chris Paul to Russell Westbrook? Oh, you hit the nail on the head. That's I mean, because every ever since Harden has been in Houston, he's had a defensive minded guard beside him in most rotations. Uh, for the first half of his Rockets career, he had Patrick Beverly. And Patrick Beverly, he is an all-NBA defender. And when they flipped Patrick Beverly, and the whole, and once they, like, broke that cusp, and they won a playoff series, and they went to the second round, and they decided to get an upgrade, they went for Chris Paul. So this is the first time, really, in his Rockets career, in his career period, that James Harden doesn't have a defensive-minded guard beside him to kind of, you know, balance him out or to, you know, pick up his slack. And that's going to be something that Harden is going to have to learn. And Westbrook is going to have to learn as well because Westbrook also, you know, he's always beside a defensive-minded guard. He's he's beside uh, Thabo Cephalosha. He's beside... Paul George, he's, you know, next to, you know, Victor, I mean, Victor Oladipo is not really an all-NBA defender, but you get you get what I'm saying. So he's always had defensive-minded players around him, and so the, that's how, that is going to be the struggle of this Rockets team. But perhaps the idea of putting Harden and Westbrook is that the offense is going to simply, you're, you're going to score as many points as you possibly can, and the other team's not going to match you. And perhaps the Rockets will have some of those games where they win 135, 130 some nights, but, you know, that that's all dandy and fine in the regular season. But in the playoffs, that is not a style of play that will win you basketball games. And so maybe during the, se- during the season, they'll have to, you know, work on, you know, finding a better defensive rhythm, sacrifice some offense for some defense, Maybe get a different guy that will fit their defensive scheme a little bit better. Um, you know, and the thing is, that's why Austin Rivers plays such a, an important role. Again, going back to Rivers is because he, you know, although he may not be your, you know, stat, like stats wise, might not be your best defender. He is the best defender guard for the Rockets. And that is what's going. So that's the role he's going to end up playing. And. But it can't just be off the rivers. It can't just be PJ Tucker. It has to be from everybody. And that's ultimately what's going to have to happen if the Rockets want to take that next step. Right. Um, and, and we normally on this podcast do go through all the transactions. Uh, in the offseason, you mentioned Rivers. He was re-signed at two years, four and a half million with the player option. I want to go through the rest of them real quick and then get some comments from you on them if you feel that they're significant. Um, the re-signing of Daniel House. 
Um, which, Pretty significant. Yeah. Every, probably going to start for us, yeah. I think that is the probably the signing of the offseason. And then brought back Gerald Green, as you mentioned, for another year. And then uh, added Tyson Chandler on a one-year deal. Added Ben McLemore on a two-year deal. We're not excited about that here in, in Sacramento. But it wouldn't be the first time that a guy left Sacramento and improved. And then finally, a very interesting one, signed Anthony Bennett uh, out of the G League, who obviously – uh, you know, uh, has a lot of baggage uh, being one of the biggest busts in history, but it had an incredible season. Uh, yeah, I read something. Yeah. It's like a 40% three-point shooter or something, like 42%, yeah. something like that. And I was like, okay. And, uh, you know, that, that's a no, that's a low-risk, high-reward possibility. I'm, I'm happy with Bennett. I doubt he sees the rotation, though. Same with Macklemore. I mean, it seemed – I mean, the – but like, why are you guys sad about Macklemore? Is it because you think he's going to possibly be really good, or is it because you're just, you know, he's like your guy that came back or something like that? I don't know. He's been really, really, really bad for the Kings on two separate <laughs> trips. So it's listen. I think that, and tell me, correct me if I'm wrong, Brendan, but it's kind of like we hope he's he. It works out. We hope it's great for him in Houston, but we, I personally just don't see it. Yeah. You just can't let go of him. He's our he's our guy. We drafted him. You gotta you gotta hold on to it as long as you can. He's a partial guaranteed deal, so he might even be back with the Kings for a third go <laughs> by this season. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, he's on a partial guarantee. I think Bennett's on a partial guarantee too. So, like at the end of the day, like the Rockets have their rotation pretty much set, sorted out. Like they know who the starting five are going to be. They know who the primary backups are going to be. It's going to be. Uh, the backups are going to be Austin Rivers, Eric Gordon, um, Tyson Chandler may play here and there, uh, but it's going to be those. It's going to be like seven guys at the end of the day at the in the rotation, and maybe they'll find a way to you know bring an eighth guy on board. But for the time being, it's the starting five: Westbrook, Harden, House, um, and then Tucker and Capella, and then you got uh, Eric Gordon, Austin Rivers, and yeah, that's really it. And it, does it feel like your closing lineup is just swapping uh, House for Gordon? Yeah, um, that certainly is. That's probably going to be the the ending lineup. Although there might be some cases where they play small because they we have like we have this lineup we call the Tuck Wagon lineup, which is an homage to uh, when Chuck Hayes was here. Chuck Hayes was our six six uh, center who, uh, you know, also played for Sacramento. So, um, but we called them the Chuck Wagon. So uh, where it's like a, it's an homage. We call it the Tuck Wagon lineup. So PJ Tucker plays the five and they fill out the, for the first four spots with guards. Um, so they might do that and they might put House and, uh, and Eric Gordon with Capella on the bench, depending on who you play, obviously. Like if you play, like honestly, like an example would be like if you play, um, if you play the Warriors, like the Warriors don't have like a super important big. I mean, they have Willie Colley Stein, but is Willie Colley Stein going to be no. in their closing lineup? Probably not. So <laughs> the, Warriors, the Warriors are probably like that. That's a good lineup. The Tuck Wagon lineup works for the Warriors, and it's been a lineup that the Warriors have struggled against in 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 recent years. And I guess if you also want to say like maybe even the Lakers a little bit too, if if they don't have like. You know, I mean, I guess Anthony Davis is going to be their their center, but 
I mean, yeah. Anthony Davis is also a guy that, you know, plays on the perimeter. So it wouldn't necessarily, and PJ Tucker can guard all five positions. So it, that's another team that you could possibly see the Rockets playing their tough wagon lineup to close games. So, so it's going to be some kind of combination between those five and Eric Gordon. Got it. And Austin Rivers, of course. Yeah, I don't see Austin as closing games because I just don't see how they can put Rivers, yeah. Westbrook, and Harden on the floor at the same time. But who knows? No, we'll agreed. See. Agreed. It was, it was just a little joke thrown in there. I think that uh, Gordon's an important piece too, and having him on there definitely means that there's not going to be any uh, any Rivers. I wanted to ask you real quick about the uh, the Warriors thing that you went into a little bit. The last two seasons, they've kind of been your kryptonite, the team to take you out. Uh, similarly to what it felt like with Toronto and LeBron. And then, you know, they, there's more opportunity with LeBron not in the conference anymore and they get a championship the next year. Does it feel like that's the case with this Rockets team that with KD leaving and the, and the Warriors looking like this dynasty is kind of coming to a close with Iguodala, Livingston, some of those main guys being gone, even though they do still have that main core, does it feel a little bit more open because of that? Or did it just kind of get negated by, like you mentioned, the Lakers and Clippers coming into this great rosters during the offseason. I think I, I love the West. I think the West is going to be incredibly open. I think you can make an argument, honestly, for seven teams to win. I don't think it's just the Lakers and Clippers and Warriors. I actually think it's going to be, I think the Lakers, Clippers, Warriors all have a shot. I think there's also an argument for Denver, Portland, Utah, and then the Rockets are there too. And, you know, it doesn't make too much of a difference, but you have, the three Pacific Division teams, you have the three Northwest Division teams, and you got the Rockets playing, you know, on in their own division. And and that helps a little bit in the schedule because those teams are going to play each other more often than the Rockets would. So I think that might help the Rockets in the standings. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, I think it's going to come down to those seven teams. And honestly, it's going to come down to one, who's healthy at the end of the season, two, um, who's hot at the end of the season, because you know, for all we know, there could be a team that just is is playing their best basketball in April and they just happen to take out a team that, you know, was playing well, like kind of like how the Pelicans beat the Blazers two years ago, kind of kind of like that. Um, and then lastly, matchups, because I think that there are some teams that will match up well against another, but they won't like I think that there's like a case like the Clippers might not, like and I'm just throwing this out. Like teams, the Clippers might match up well against the Lakers, but the Clippers might not match up well with the Warriors. So the Warriors might beat the Clippers, but the Lakers might be better than the Warriors too. So it's like it's 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 going to come down to where teams are in the in the bracket. It's going to come down to just what team is playing which team and who has the advantage. And I think that you know it's going to a lot of luck. I hate to say it, a lot of luck is going to play into how who comes out of the West this year. So looking forward into next season, uh, we've talked about Westbrook and Harden's fit uh, defensively a lot, but, you know, there are two players who obviously have been best throughout their careers with the ball in their hands. Do you do you see any issue with, with the share of the ball there and with, of course, just the, the thought of Russell Westbrook needing to take a lot of spot-up shots in this offense and his three-point percentage being uh, truly uh, – I've, I've looked into this and, and I've seen other people look into this. It's He's been the worst volume shooter in the modern era, and he's 
aside from Charles Barkley, who took a ton of shots, a ton of threes, and missed almost all of them, uh, he's been one of the worst uh, volume shooters in, in the history of the game. So do you have any concerns about the offensive fit with these two players going forward? Honestly, I person like Westbrook's shot that I think his is his best shot is his, is his mid range shot. And that was something that, you know, Chris Paul got a little flack for um, when he came to Houston was, you know, Oh, Chris Paul, he's a mid range shooter. How, how is that going to hold up in Houston? And it worked out just fine. Like, and at the end of the day, like Chris Paul, he still, he, like, he, pro- he cut down on his mid range shots a little bit, but he still took them. And that's, that's also part of it is Harden's range and Westbrook's range, as you said, are very different. You know, Harden's a much better volume shooter than Westbrook is. So, but Westbrook is good at cutting to the rim. He's also good at, you know, pulling up and taking that 18 footer. And that is, and that and that gives the offense a little bit of versatility because you can play at two separate paces. And I think in the last two seasons with Chris Paul in Houston, Harden learned a lot about how to slow things down. And, you know, it was more about, um, you know, because at, at the beginning of their tenure, it was more Harden was the fast-paced guy and Chris Paul was the slow-paced guy. But Harden lo- learned a lot from Chris Paul. And that was a huge reason. Like, Chris Paul is one of the best basketball IQs Ever. Like he, he, he knows and he loves and he breathes basketball. And Harden soaked up a lot of that knowledge in two years. And I think that what you're going to see with this iteration of the Rockets is Westbrook is going to be more of that fast paced guy and Harden is going to take a play out of Chris Paul's playbook and be the little, be more of the slow paced guy. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And another idea that I think would work well for them since they they are ball dominant guys and for a good reason they're able to play make for everybody else do you think that they stagger these guys so you always have one of them on the floor because 100%. you have that luxury of having two of them you know maybe yeah maybe Eric Gordon is a fairly early sub halfway through the first for one of them and then one of them is running the second unit yeah so what they did with last year's team was Chris Paul would come out at the six minute mark um in the first quarter Eric Gordon would come in or whoever, because Eric Gordon started for a while too. So they would have, they would have, uh, either Austin Rivers or, you know, whoever, whoever was coming off of the bench. And there, there will not be a time, unless it's in garbage time, that you will see Harden and Westbrook both on the bench together. It just doesn't, like, to me, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense as to why you would stack, like, you wouldn't stagger guys. Like, when I saw the Warriors playing in the, you know, in when I saw the Warriors playing like in in our series, and I saw both Steph and KD on the bench, I was like, "Why? Like, like, like? I, I just I just don't see a reason as to why that should ever happen." You have two of the top ten, fifteen players to ever play the game, and you have both of them on the bench at the same time in the middle of the game. Like, it just doesn't like it doesn't make sense to me, and. You know, maybe this is just because I've, you know, lived in, you know, my part of the NBA sphere, you know, where the Rockets have always been staggering, you know, Chris Paul and West and Harden. But I think that, you know, the Rockets traded Chris Paul for Westbrook. It was a total swap. And yes, picks were involved and picks were sent to uh, Oklahoma, but it it's the team doesn't change much. And as you said, like we haven't like. Other than that, like we got Tyson Chandler. That's the only two players on this team 
that are going to be new in this rotation. So the the chemistry on this team is going to be pretty good. I think there are going to be some teams that struggle with their chemistry out of the gate. I think Golden State will struggle with their chemistry out of the gate with uh, D'Angelo Russell coming in, no Clay Thompson, no Kevin Durant, no DeMarcus Cousins. I think that Anthony Davis and LeBron James are going to struggle a little bit with their chemistry. That team is pretty much all brand new, if you think about it. Um, and you're also going to have, you know, the Clippers are also going to have some growing pains with their with their team in the Jazz as well. So, and Portland is also brand new. A lot of new guys are in Portland this year. They kept they kept uh, CJ and in Damian, but they swapped out a lot of guys too. So, uh, the Rockets have that luxury where yes, they have Westbrook, but outside of that, the team stayed together, and they're going to be in a be in an advantage early in the season when those teams are going through their early season growing pain, the Rockets won't have as many. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So getting towards uh, our final lines of question here that we do for each team. Uh, normally, so we've broken format here, obviously. We normally don't have 20 minutes of Austin Rivers talk scheduled at the top. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm gonna take uh, these next two questions and kind of combine them. Uh, we normally ask, you know, who's going to take the biggest step forward and who's going to take the biggest step back? I'm going to kind of combine these and, and talk about them for a second and also and just kind of turn this into a different, more general question. Um, one thing I noticed when looking at this team is that there is not – much youth at all. I, I believe that there's only a couple of guys who have ever played an NBA game under the age of 25, and they are an undrafted rookie from last year and a second round pick from last year. There, and then again, and then this most recent draft, the Rockets had zero picks; they didn't pick anybody. So there's not much youth. Uh, so there are not many candidates to take a big step forward. I think Daniel House might be the best candidate to do so, and I think he could take a significant step forward, but. There's a lot of guys that are older. Uh, Harden will be 30 by the time the season starts. Russell Westbrook will be 31 uh, quickly uh, into the season. Tucker will turn 35 this season, or uh, 34. Gerald Green will turn 35. So there's a lot of older guys on this team. The question that I want to get to here is, considering that, does this feel kind of like an all-or-nothing year or two where if, if the Rockets don't win it this year, maybe like you mentioned with D'Antoni as well, is it kind of all or bust this year for the Rockets? I'm going to go with no. I, ooh, actually, that's tough. Because here's, here's the thing, and uh, you didn't even mention this. Eric Gordon is on a contract year. The chances of the Rockets being able to retain Eric Gordon is very slim. Because Eric Gordon is going to get a major bag in free agency in 2020. So... It's going to be like, it'll be tough for the Rockets to be able to maintain their level of success because Eric Gordon has been a huge part of the team's success last four seasons or last three seasons. But I'm going to say no only because I feel like when you have 
James Harden and Russell Westbrook, even when they're 33, 30, you know, I, the reason why the Rockets traded for Russell Westbrook is to extend their window by a year or two. Chris Paul was 34. He was getting paid more than what he should have made. Also, by the way, totally don't regret that deal at all. It needed to happen. There was no way the Rockets weren't going to re-sign Chris Paul after he, you know, literally sacrificed his body for the Rockets to almost make the finals. But they they made that trade. Like, they didn't want to trade Chris Paul. They weren't trying to trade for Russell Westbrook. The whole Westbrook trade came about only because Kawhi went to the Clippers, Paul George followed him, and Russell Westbrook wanted a trade. Russell Westbrook never requests a trade if Paul George doesn't leave, if Kawhi doesn't go to L.A. So it's crazy how the dominoes in the NBA work and how it, it just all just totally falls how it does. And, you know, it just was one of the adverse effects of it. But the Rockets made that move to try to extend their playoff win, uh, to try to extend their championship contending window. And I believe that they did that with this move. And this year is an important year, I, I would say, because, you know, Harden is turning 30. Westbrook is 31. You know, they don't have much, like, they're not getting any younger. Their primes are shrinking as we know it. But I think that the Rockets are not going to blow it up after this year. They just it doesn't go their way. So I'm going to say no to that answer. But they they will find a way to. They're going to have to reshuffle the deck if they don't make it past this year. They're going to have to do some major reshuffling. Well, especially not having a good amount of first round picks that you gave up in that trade as well, right? I mean, do you have a worry that you know it could? Not to the same extent, but almost that Brooklyn-Boston trade where these picks are so far in advance that you're you end up really paying for it later in the future. Okay, but at least our picks have protection. It's true. That's true. (laughs) And to be fair, they really only gave up two picks. The other two, so they gave up they gave up two first round picks and two pick swaps. Yes, meaning that they really. Only they only really gave up two picks, and they'll take the lesser of OKC and Houston's picks in the two years that it works out for them. But the the thing is, the Rockets have a tendency to trade their first round picks because Daryl Morey's philosophy is he doesn't see the value of a like the a late first round pick is about similar value than a second round pick. And a mid second round pick, or like the, it's just, it's blurry. Like it, like it doesn't mean much to him. So that's why he trades them a lot. And they still have their first round pick this year. So they're probably going to trade it. And they're probably going to try to flip it at the deadline for a similar deal to what they did this year. So Sacramento, uh, Cleveland and Houston, they worked out that deal. Shumpert came, uh, to Houston and Cleveland got our first round pick. And I think it turned into, if I'm not mistaken, that, pick turned into Dylan Windler I think that's his name but anyway like picks don't mean much to me anymore I think the last time they had a first round pick uh it was on Sam Decker but like that's it like and look at Sam Decker now not even the NBA so like but I'll tell you this someone in Sam Decker's draft that was picked in the second round probably playing in the NBA and he's probably doing pretty well for himself yeah, it all builds up to a really unique team, a really unique roster build that is, it is quite old. 
And it, it does feel, you know, like you said, not necessarily all in this year, but it feels like an all in it. it the focus is 100% on the, the present. Um, so that is interesting. And I will say from my perspective, it, it could be one of the more frustrating teams to be a fan of if they can't push through and make that, cha- you know, make that championship run because it, you do have a couple of guys that can be frustrating to watch at times in uh, in Harden and Westbrook. I get it. People love Harden. Some people don't. Some people can't stand the foul drawing, all that stuff. And then on top of that, you you do worry about the age and you do worry about the future picks given up and and you worry about D'Antoni and there's been tension with Maury as well, the, the uh, GM. So there, it's kind of like a, a tinderbox and it's ready to go up if in flame if things break bad. But on the flip side of that, it could break very, very good. And the team is projected uh, by Vegas of an o- at an over-under of 53.5 wins uh, by most uh, Vegas sites. That is very high. It is in the top five. And I think that is justifiable, justifiably so. I will say that my questions are not regarding Houston being a good team. I think they are a very good team. I also believe them to be a top five team. All my questions come with, can they beat the best team in the league or can they be even a top two or top three team? Can they make that jump to where they have a legitimate chance to, to get into the finals and to get deep into that series? And the question is, can they win a championship? Not can they be one of the five best teams in the league because they can, they have been that and they will be that again. But uh, looking at that over under more closely, 53 and a half wins. Do you feel good about that do you think it should be higher or lower or, or just about right well look i think like looking at all the vegas projections like i, I want to say no team is more than 55 and i think that's fair because there are so many teams that can be good can like there there's no runaway and it's the first time that we haven't really had a runaway contender for the championship and Honestly, it's been so long. I can't remember the last time. You'd have to go back to like, like when LeBron was on the Cavs in the first step. Maybe 2009 or 2010 was the last time that there wasn't a runaway early season favorite. And that's why I think the Vegas projections are so low because I think it's, you know, it's difficult to predict and they don't want to lose more. Like they don't want to throw out a, a big number like they don't want to say oh the the raptors are going to win you know because it's like this the raptors won a championship the raptors lost their best player the warriors went to the finals but the warriors lost two of their best players like and then you know the clippers are you know they have two of their players but they're unproven and the lakers have you know anthony davis but they missed the playoffs last year so like there's question marks for every team and that's why none of these numbers are high i do think the rockets do crack 53 and a half and i think i i would take the over if i were a gambling man but um i don't gamble too much um it's mm-hmm. not i'm not gonna throw all my chips in that basket i'm it's it's gonna be a soft bet but uh i think they can go over 53 and a half because if you look at last year's team they won 53 games and i do believe that this year's team is better than last year's team so i think that they can win more than 53 and a half games yeah, and I think having a top offense uh, has has led to a lot of regular season success. I know that you mentioned uh, the beginning of last year being rough, and that kind of led to a down year. But even a down year is fifty three wins. Uh, 
So I think the outscoring everybody, like we mentioned at one point, works in the regular season. Not so, maybe a little bit less in the playoffs, but uh, I think the last thing we wanted to get from you, Jeremy, was we mentioned it at one point that Trevor Ariza, who was a big piece of the Rockets for a while, spent a good chunk of his career there, um, or some of his best most recent years, four of them there. And I'm curious what you think. I don't know if you were able to see what he did or didn't do really in Phoenix and Washington last year. And if you think that he sort of slowly started to fall off and it's come with age, he is 33. He was 33 last year. Or is it just sometimes, you know, there's a little bit of lack of effort. He wasn't playing on good teams. What do you think that Sacramento has in Trevor Ariza joining the squad? Do you want our first round pick? I will trade you our first round pick right now for Trevor Ariza. (laughs) I will do it. We don't need that first round pick. We need Trevor. He's a lot more than the first round pick. But anyway, um, like the thing with Trevor is he has made so many sacrifices in his NBA career. He really has. And, you know, he has played a lot longer than people think. He's 34, but he is entering his, I want to say it's his 17th season in the NBA. 16 seasons like he's been in the league a long time longer than people think because he came out as a as a high school um or excuse me as a college freshman when college freshmen didn't enter the draft as often as they do now um but he took so many pay cuts for so long and you know did it with did it with the lakers did it with the rockets uh did it you know almost at every stop that he had um but after his contract was up with Houston after four years. He was like, you know what? I'm, I don't care who I play for. Just highest bidder. I'll take it. And the Phoenix Suns, who had money to burn, said, here's $15 million. And Trevor Reeves was like, I'm going to hit, I'm going to take the bag and I'm going to Phoenix. And he was there for maybe all of 15 games. Um, I, look, I, I didn't watch too much of Trevor Reeves last year because he just wasn't with Houston. But, um, I do believe though that, his what it's 225 is what he made is what he got for Sacramento. Right. Is there a player with option it, with that? With it, it's a non guarantee in the second it's a year. Non guarantee in the second year. Okay. It's a, yeah. That's a, I would say it's a pretty fair deal, honestly. Um, because you don't know, like it's, you don't want to pay. Like the hope is that he plays more of how he was in Houston and he's a serviceable starter because Look, Sacramento is going to be a team that is fighting for that eighth spot this year, like they were last year. And you're going to need, you're going to want a guy that, you know, is playing for, that has experience playing for something important. And I don't know what, do you expect him to start or do you think he's going to come off the bench for you guys? I expect him to come off the bench. I've seen a lot of those, you know, the models that project out. Uh, win totals put him as the starting small forward, and I think that's lunacy. But uh, I don't know. We've seen stranger things happen with the rotation in Sacramento. But for me, I would have to assume he's coming off the bench. Definitely. Because what Bog- Bogdanovich would start, and it would be it'd be Barnes. So Fox, Buddy Barnes. Oh, uh, that's right. Okay. Here's yeah, Bagley, Deadman. Yeah, that probably. Yeah, and Bogdanovich and no reason to come off the bench. Exactly. It's a that's nice a, that's bench. A, that's a good bench. Yeah. Yeah. Bench Warriors, Austin Rivers versus Trevor Reason. <laughs> versus Corey Gordon, Joseph. <laughs> who, who would you take two on two? Would you take Austin Rivers and <laughs> Eric Gordon, or would you take Ariza and Bogdanovich? 
Arizin Bogdanovich. I think so. I mean, yeah, of course probably. we're going to pick that though, right? I mean, yeah, or I just take, I, I, I would take I would Harry 1v2. <laughs> I'd take Harry Giles. I'd take Harry Giles against uh, Rivers. And, uh, <laughs> I'd take yeah, one on two. I mean, yeah. That's the thing. Y'all got a good bench, but like, yeah. I, I hope Deadman pans out for y'all. I, I hope that he does. Um, I, what I really love though is Rashawn Holmes. Like that, I'm looking forward to seeing what Rashawn Holmes can do. It's really, it's, it's an unbelievable, I mean, the Kings haven't had a good bench for so long. And then, yeah, I mean, we haven't even mentioned Corey Joseph, who's a like legitimate low end starter, high end, uh, backup as well, uh, now backing up Fox. So it's, uh, there's a 11 man rotation on this team somehow. It's incredibly deep. And that, that's going to help in the, in the long run. It really will. Um, And this is. This is a perfect time for me to mention the uh, basketball reference nickname I found for Bielitsa, who we haven't mentioned, and it's Professor yeah. Big Shot, and Big I think Shot. that's absolutely amazing. Professor Big Shot. It, yeah, not this team cool. is so deep that we we act like Yogi Ferrell is a scrub, and he's not. It's like that's that's the twelfth guy on this the team. Good twelfth man. Yeah, <laughs> but it's we want to thank you. Man. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the issue. I mean, that's 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 the issue with Houston up and down. I think we I think we we all know it's a it's a question of depth for Houston. And you know, I mean, if Rivers were on the Kings, would he get much playing time? Probably not. Uh, but he is, you know, somehow invaluable beyond uh, all odds to Houston. And it is what it is. You're you have by far the the biggest star and one of the best players in the world in James Harden. And you know, now you've got. We'll see how Westbrook does, but uh, it's going to be a really interesting season to watch. We definitely want to get you back on maybe after the first uh, uh, Kings-Rockets game. We can see you know, how a little bit of this is unfolding, but we wanted to thank you so much, Jeremy, for coming on. Uh, you want to plug your Twitter and some of your writing? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm at Jeremy Brenner on Twitter. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-R-E-N-E-R. You'd be amazed how many people can't spell Jeremy. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, Jeremy Brenner on Twitter. Uh, I write for many SP Nation sites, but uh, I am a proud member of uh, thedreamshake.com, home of all things Houston Rockets. You can follow us on Twitter at uh, DreamshakeSBN. I wanted to make sure I got that right. DreamshakeSBN. Uh, but guys, when when is this first Rockets Kings meeting? I need to I need to mark my calendar so we can like have some kind of watch party or something or. So come back, bring y'all on to the Dream Shake Harden My Take podcast, maybe. There we go. If I if I'm not mistaken, it's it's at the end of a seven game road trip off a of back to back. So I think oh, that's uh, disgusting. We'll, we'll see you after we get smoked in Houston. Yeah, yeah. it's December ninth. Yeah, yeah. And there's another game on December twenty third. They're pretty close. I think we're gonna try to do post-game recaps. So if you're around, maybe we'll have you on for oh, that of that definitely. game. Definitely. I'll probably be done with finals right after that. And I'll be go. hanging out in my apartment like I am right now. And <laughs> If, if the waiting. Kings do get smacked, though, I think that there might, for some reason, not be a post-game for that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping for 10 or less. So I can there we go. come talk to you all again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But again, <laughs> thanks, Jeremy. I'll uh, I'll Venmo you after this one for all the Austin Rivers talk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. Yep. Pay me at, uh, pay me in VC so I can up his stats. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
up for weeks. <laughs> yeah. And thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. You will hear from us again in the next couple days.